Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. And while you look at that, we actually have some hockey to talk about as the Bruins beat the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night in a 2-1 overtime decision. We'll get to that game here in a moment, uh, but before we do, uh, as well as answer some mailbag questions and update uh, trade rumors of the day, uh, I'll remind you that you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. I believe we're up to, uh, let's see here, 297. So if we can get that off to 300, that would be amazing. Uh, you can also follow me at Ian C. McLaren. Uh, the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Pocket Casts, uh, wherever you're able to listen to podcasts, pretty much you can find it. And uh, if you're able to post a rating and a review, uh, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, the Bruins players are off today in Calgary, uh, according to the team, uh, resting up after the 2-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers last night. They'll play the Flames on Friday night and then back at it very quickly in Vancouver to take on the Canucks on Saturday night. Uh, before we get to the game itself, I can't start without... Uh, playing this clip of Jake DeBrusque being interviewed by his father, Louis, prior to last night's game in Edmonton. Well, hey, kiddo, it's ha- it's nice to have you home for a couple of days. I mean, Edmonton kid growing up in this city, still special for you to come back home and play? Yeah, it always is. It's uh, nice to see the friends and family and kind of get sick of my dad's hunting story, so that's why I think it's a little, uh, a little sketchy. All right. You guys are on a roll right now playing another team that's on a roll. What do you got to do to keep this thing going? Yeah, I just got to stay consistent. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, rolling four lines pretty well. And uh, just play our game. I think we're trying to build our game every game throughout this year. So um, just keep doing what we're doing and uh, try to limit their uh, their offensive chances. What just I heard you were chirping me about my hair today? <laughs> I'll t- you got tough flow, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> People are saying that you're copying my hair. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what that's about. Well, listen, kiddo, get the feet going. I don't want to have to say bad things about you tonight. Hey, thanks a lot. Good luck, all right, kiddo? All right. How good is that? Now, when it came to the game, uh, DeBrusque and company were uh, held off the score sheet as it was the top line that did most of the damage. Uh, It was a very, uh, how should we say, defensive affair last night as uh, both teams combined to go 1-for-13 on the power play. Uh, not really wowing in terms of offensive uh, displays, but then our boy David Pasternak came onto the scene in overtime, uh, accepted a, a nice little pass from David Krejci, put a backhand on uh, Mike Smith, and the puck went in five hole for the win. Um, very nice little play for Pasternak, who scores his 43rd goal of the season. Uh entering back into a tie for first place with Austin Matthews for the Richard Trophy um, yeah, hunt. Um, it was nice to see, obviously, the Bruins get that overtime victory. We all remember that stretch where uh, there was uh, just loser point after loser point. Pasternak said, obviously, this year was a little tough the way it was going for us. Lately, we've been good in overtime specifically, getting some confidence back, and hopefully we can keep that going. The penalty kill was excellent for us, especially in that last one, uh, big plays. There was a opportunity for the uh, Edmonton Oilers late in the third period as 
Uh, David Pasternak was called for tripping on uh, William Legison at the 1730 mark. The Bruins were able to kill that one off. Edmonton's only goal came from uh, Sam Gagne on the power play earlier in the period to tie the game. Uh, Patrice Bergeron had given the Bruins a 1-0 lead at 8.28 of the first period, which had stuck until uh, Gagne's goal, and then it remained uh, obviously tied at 1 until Pasternak was able to end it in overtime. Now, the Bruins did have a uh, 34-29 shot advantage over the Oilers. They had a 37-29 advantage in terms of shot attempts at even strength, which is good for a 56.06 uh, Corsi percentage. If you look at all situations, the Bruins held the advantage again uh, with a mark of 68-49, to which is a 58.12 uh, Corsi 4 percentage in all situations last night. So uh, Bruins certainly deserved to win this one, and they were able to... Uh, hold off a pretty, um, what should we say, feisty Oilers team, obviously dealing with a number of injury issues, including uh, superstar Connor McDavid, Oscar Clefbaum was out of the lineup, Tukaras credited them for battling hard. Uh, the Bruins were able to the, keep them to the outside. Uh, they had some dangerous chances on the power play in the second period, but the Bruins were able to clear the rebounds out and uh, win those battles in front of the net. Um this is something I guess I'll I'll talk about. Well, let's just talk about it now. Uh, one of the mailbag questions that came in was from Paul Campbell, who's been on the podcast in the past, and he asked uh, kind of how the Bruins are able to uh, play so well defensively in front of their uh, star goaltenders in Tuka Rask and um, Yaroslav Halak. Uh, let's pull up his exact question here. Uh, Paul asks, can you describe how the Bruins consistently create such a strong defensive environment for their goalies? Uh, two great keepers, certainly, but that's not enough to keep them near the top of the league in team save percentage year after year. Uh, after the game last night, I think Bruce Cassidy um, kind of addressed that. Um, I think what Rask was saying there is uh, pretty key. Uh, they don't allow uh, too many shots from the inside. Uh, too many high danger shots. Uh, whenever rebounds are laying in front of them, the Bruins are quick to clear them out. Uh, they don't allow a lot of extended zone time. Uh, you won't see teams cycling uh, heavily too too often against the Bruins. Uh, they don't have long extended shifts where guys get tired, so they're able to just play that full team effort. I think that's a big part of it too. Players really seem to buy into a 200-foot game. You've seen David Pasternak uh, just improve exponentially in that area as well this season. Uh, Charlie McAvoy has stepped up there as well. Uh, so I think that's a big key to why the Bruins are able to play such strong uh, defensive games in front of uh, their goalies. They don't allow those high-danger shots. And um, they really have a full team effort in front of the goalies in order to uh, not allow those clean looks and also to um, just clear the puck away from the goaltenders in those high danger areas in rebound situations. Um, in this game specifically, it was a good uh, kind of playoff type game for the Bruins where there's, uh, you know, low scoring, tight defense, um, some power play opportunities. 
Cassidy said, typically that's when we're at our best in low scoring games, force the other team to stay in the game. He gave Edmonton a lot of credit and the Bruins were kind of facing a, like I said, a depleted lineup with, with some guys who stepped in, who are looking to make a mark uh, in order to, you know, crack the lineup down the playoff rush into next season as well. Uh, Bergeron said, anytime you're missing key players, there are guys that have been called up and it's a good opportunity for them you know they're going to play a simple game, but a hard game. That's what we got tonight. Uh, when we played them in Boston, it was the same kind of hockey. Edmonton came on top that one. Uh, no surprises. It was a tough game. They played well. Ultimately, we got that extra point. Um, and given the Bruins' experience in the postseason, again, that type of game is nothing new. Uh, Rask confirmed that, saying we're used to playing that kind of game. Nothing unusual for us. We know we can play that kind of game. It comes with the experience in the playoffs and everything, so it's no problem for us. Once you're kind of moving towards the playoffs and postseason, these games are going to become more tight checking anyway, so better get used to it. We're seeing that all over the league with so many teams still alive in the playoff race, uh, some tight games, and everybody just fighting for those extra points because every point certainly does matter. Uh, with the win... The Bruins uh, improved their record to 38, 11, and 12. They're now three points up on the Lightning in the race for first overall, first in the East, first in the Atlantic. Uh, the Lightning do have a game in hand. They will be in action tonight in Vegas. So if you want to stay up for a late game, that's one that would probably be worth watching to see how uh, Tampa fares against a pretty good Western Conference team and uh, if they can... Uh, again, make good on that game in hand on the Bruins. Bruins have now won four in a row, nine and one over their last 10. Lightning riding an 11 game winning streak. Uh, Lightning also still have the advantage in terms of goal differential in the NHL, plus 56. Our Bruins are now at plus 54 after last night's game. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bruins are off until, uh, Friday night where they will be in Calgary to take on the Flames. Uh, we'll tee up that game on tomorrow's uh, podcast, uh, and now get to some more of your mailbag questions. I already kind of addressed Paul Campbell's question about how the Bruins are able to uh, support their goaltenders and play such a, a defensive system. I'm by no means a uh, X's and O's guy per se. Uh, don't have a huge eye for those kind of systems, but I can say the Bruins do have uh, some very good puck-moving defensemen. Uh, they have a very uh, deeply-seated team defense mentality. You won't see their forwards not coming back to help in the uh, defensive zone very often. Uh, so those are kind of a couple of the reasons why the Bruins are so effective uh, defensively and why their goaltenders are able to post such high uh, save percentages. Uh, the next question comes from Zach B at Zach Brooks 29. He asks, how much should the Bruins be willing to give up for Kreider? Um, I think the asking price is no secret at this point. The Rangers are looking for a uh, first round pick, uh, a prospect uh, of some repute, as well as possibly uh, maybe another uh, prospect who could be a couple years away at least, or uh, maybe a roster player and a top prospect as well. I think, uh, and this was uh, reiterated today by uh, Frank Saravelli of TSN in his column, Seven Cup Contenders Yet to Make a Move. 
Uh, he cites the Bruins as obviously seeing Kreider as the top target. They're battling it out with the Avalanche and others as they try to avenge their Game 7 loss on home ice in the Stanley Cup Final. If Boston loses out on Kreider, a secondary target may be pending UFA and Sabres winger Connor Sheary, who helped the Penguins to back-to-back Cups in 2016 and 2017. Uh, the Bruins are also potentially interested in adding a depth defenseman for the chase. You can never have too many. Uh, all that to say, in terms of Chris Kreider, yeah, it seems as though the... Uh, price tag will be uh, fairly substantial. Uh, at least a first-round pick. Uh, we might be talking about a prospect such as uh, Um Maybe they're looking for an Anders Bjork or a Danton Heinen. Uh, I'd be reluctant to give up Bjork, to be honest. Um, if I am General Manager Don Sweeney, uh, to answer your question most directly, Zach, I would say... Uh, the Bruins should be willing to give up the following. Uh, the first round pick, without question, will have to be included. I would say uh, a young player uh, such as Danton Heinen or even Carson Kuhlman could be on the table. Both are 24 years old at the moment, and they obviously can step into an NHL lineup right away. Then in terms of prospects, you're probably looking at a guy like uh, maybe Ryan Fitzgerald, Yerhovaka uh, Nainen, uh, those are uh, kind of guys that you'd be willing to part with. Um, I would say untouchables would be Stanika. Uh, I would be very reluctant to give up on, on Anders Bjork, considering how well he and Charlie Coyle are playing as of late. Um, you know, obviously, Matt Grizzlick is off the table. Jeremy Lozon, you might be willing to part with at this point. Um, considering Connor Clifton might come back soon and they might also have another deal for a defenseman uh, in the works as well. Um, perhaps this time up in the NHL has been a bit to showcase him. You still have John Moore there as well. Uh, if and when injury strikes and you need to um, rely on uh, some uh, veteran presences in the playoffs. Uh, Trent Frederick, also borderline as to whether you'd want to give up on him as well. But those are the guys that I would um, focus on primarily. The first-round pick, Heinen or Kuhlman, and uh, then Vakanainen uh, up front, forward prospect. I'd probably put in maybe an Oscar Steen, uh, Pavel Shen, someone like that, or Ryan Fitzgerald. William Nickerson asks, favorite episode looking back over the first 100 of many. Uh, you may have noticed yesterday was the 100th episode, and uh, it's hard to believe I've done that many already, but here we are. Um, looking back, a couple that jump out right off the top of my head would be uh, the Rich Peverly episode. It's always great to catch up with him. I had interviewed him for a previous podcast that I've done and bumped into him here in Guelph, Ontario on a number of occasions. Uh, he's a great guy and always uh, great to chat about uh, the 2011 Bruins and the work that he's doing uh, to prevent um, you know, heart uh, issues in hockey rinks uh, moving forward. Um, I would also say the Charlie Coyle appreciation episode with Amanda Kegley, uh, where she talked about uh, books against bullying and also how Charlie Coyle uh, positively impacted 
daughter and uh yeah just some really cool charlie coyle stories in there so those are two off the top of my head that i would uh, recommend finally my friend beth at Iver wheat she asks what toppings do you get on your beaver tail she must be coming up to canada a beaver tail for those who don't know is kind of like uh, uh pastry that's flattened out and topped with uh all kinds of different things. Uh, I used to get them growing up in Ottawa on the Rideau Canal. Uh, that was a big place to get it. Uh, but now they're kind of all over the place as well. Uh, I unfortunately can't eat beaver tails as I uh, have a gluten allergy. Um, but I used to just get the plain old cinnamon sugar. Those used to be my favorite, to be quite honest. Thanks for all the questions. And uh, again, I'll open up the mailbag next week. And hope to get some more questions about the Bruins and uh, anything else that you want to know. Let's end today's show with some news and notes from around the NHL. I posted a, a tweet this morning that's been getting uh, a bit of traction, and it was quoting Elliot Friedman from the 31 Thoughts podcast. He mentions Brandon Saad as a potential Bruins trade target, uh, along with uh Chris Kreider and Kyle Palmieri, who we've talked about a lot. Brandon Saad is an interesting uh, case in that he is under uh, contract for next season, but he has a pretty uh, healthy $6 million cap hit. So the Bruins would have to be pretty creative in order to fit him in. Uh, he's a left-hand shot. He is only 27. Uh, so, And he does have, like I mentioned, that year of control on his deal uh, through next year. There's no uh, no trade clauses uh, on that contract until next season. Uh, he's played 48 games for the Blackhawks uh, this year with 18 goals and 10 assists to his credit. He was a member of uh, the Capitals, uh, sorry, Capitals, what am I talking about? The Blackhawks Stanley Cup teams in 2013 and 2015 uh, before he was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets and then later flipped back to Blackhawks. Uh, for his career, he has 166 goals in 578 games. If I do a quick bit of math here, that works out to be an average of about 23 goals for every 82 games played. Probably not quite the uh, amount of skill that a guy like Chris Kreider has or uh, even Kyle Palmieri, but... Uh, we all know he is a scrappy player. He's able to put the puck in the net and also, um, yeah, mix it up a little bit uh, at both ends of the ice. A lot of Blackhawks fans were saying, okay, give us a uh, defensive prospect and a pick. That's certainly something that uh, the Bruins are able to offer. They do have a wealth of defensive prospects in the system. They have a couple picks, but the thing is, um, yeah, that cap hit uh they would have to drop david backus's at the very least and it could limit what they're able to do in the offseason in regards to resigning krug uh to brusque uh, grizzlick uh bjork uh so i don't know if they want to tie themselves down to that big of a commitment for next season uh come palmieri as we've mentioned also is under control for next season but at a uh lighter cap hit of 4.65 million. So uh, a bit more manageable on that end. Again, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. Uh, as I mentioned, Frank Cervelli wrote that col column on 
teams that are cup contenders that have yet to make a move. We've all seen uh, the Lightning make a move. The Penguins added Zucker. Uh, even the the Golden Knights have made a move. The Canucks have made a move. Um, and our Bruins are still on the outside looking in of the trade tracker. But I do believe and expect that uh, Don Sweeney will make some sort of move at some point before 3 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. If they go into the playoffs, and again, with all due respect to Carson Kuhlman, if they go into the playoffs without upgrading uh, that second line uh, right wing situation, I'll be uh, personally pretty disappointed. Um, and I really hope that they're able to do something there quickly. Um, in terms of other rumors out there that um, pertain to our Bruins, there's actually not a whole lot, to be honest. The uh, Rangers did win, uh, beating Chicago 6-3 to on uh, Wednesday night. They are somewhat still alive in the playoff race. They're six points back of the New York Islanders for the second wildcard spot, although they also would have to leapfrog uh, Columbus in there as well. Uh, and Carolina is also tied with uh, 72 points with the Flyers only one point ahead uh, at 73 points. So seven points separating third in the Metro from uh, seventh. Uh, and uh, the Rangers still somewhat in it. So that might uh, derail any plans that they have to trade Chris Kreider. Again, we're not quite sure yet if uh, there's an appetite for both of them to uh agree to a contract extension or whether Kreider would be willing to settle for what they're offering or if he wants to, uh, you know, explore the uh, open market as a UFA on July 1st, which is well within his rights. He'd certainly be one of the most coveted free agents if so. Um, so that win by the um, Rangers keeps the uh, New York's very slim playoff hopes alive and that might ha play into what they do here prior to the deadline. Uh, another game that was important for the Atlantic Division last night was the Florida Panthers beating the uh, Anaheim Ducks. They are now technically in the third spot in the uh, Atlantic Division. They're tied with the Maple Leafs with 70 points, but the Panthers do have a game in hand, and the Maple Leafs will be in action tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins in pretty much a must-win game for them, not only to uh, get back into that playoff spot, but also just to reinstill some confidence in the fan base that this team is not uh, dead in the water, although that's certainly not the case until they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, so Pittsburgh, Toronto tonight. The Panthers are off until... Actually, they're playing again tonight as well. Uh, they're playing the Kings uh, in LA at 10:30 Eastern, uh, so they'll still have that game in hand on uh, the Leafs after tonight, and they could also be two points ahead if they win and the Maple Leafs lose in regulation. So those are some games to keep an eye on as well tonight, uh, apart from Tampa Bay and Vegas at 10 o'clock. I should also mention that uh, Elliot Friedman on the 31 Thoughts podcast reiterated the fact that uh, Don Sweeney wasn't a huge fan of giving up the first round pick in 2018. Uh, he'd obviously prefer to do kind of deals that he pulled off last year in exchange for uh, Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson, just giving up uh, Ryan Donato, a couple second round picks and a fourth round pick. 
if he could find a fit that doesn't cost him the first round pick, I think uh, that is something that they would ultimately prefer to do. Although, you know, Chris Kreider, they see as the home run uh, hometown boy coming in. And uh, if it means giving up the first round pick, I certainly think uh, they might do it. Now, uh, that's something that general manager Joe Sackick out in Colorado added. He said he'd rather not trade a first round pick, but he won't rule anything out. So some of these deals might come right down to uh, Monday as teams get desperate, run out of options, and uh, just do what they have to do in order to pull off a deal. That's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, my name is Ian McLaren. I am your host. Uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Again, if anything does break with the Bruins, I'll uh, toss up a quick reaction pod or at least a live Twitter feed. And uh, tomorrow we'll be back to tee up a, a Friday night game against the Calgary Flames. I hope you're all doing well, and we will talk to you again later. Take care of yourselves, friends.